a study, an overview of the Spirit's activity in Acts. You've heard me say before that I believe that we should appreciate the word Acts to be not the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the early church. And um, I'm going to refer today to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. As is my style, I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version. If yours is different a little bit, uh, it may be because we're reading from different versions. Acts chapter 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, uh, first a little bit of business. No doubt uh, Luke is the author here. You remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke, we presume to be the author of the book that's named after him, the Gospel of Luke. And actually, if we look at verses 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, the first account I composed, Theophilus. By the way, you'll hear this same Theophilus character. I'll talk just about him for just a brief second in a minute. But he also wrote the Gospel of Luke to the same character, Theophilus. You say, well, who is Theophilus? Well, Theophilus might be an actual person named Theophilus, or the, the word Theophilus means the people of God. So he may actually be uh, just writing a book to the code, code word Theophilus to the people of God. So the first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. This is a reference to the book of Luke. He's saying, look, I already wrote you one account. It is to, it is to the people uh, and it's about the works of Jesus that he did, and now I'm going to write this other account, and it's going to be uh, the things that the Holy Spirit did in the, uh, er in the uh, early church. We believe that Luke wrote, this is still the business end, we believe that Luke wrote this book for three major reasons. One, um, uh, this reference to Theophilus and his first account, which coincides with Luke's um, the way he opened the book of Luke, I think it's down in verse 4 in Luke chapter 1. I might not have that remembered correctly, but it's somewhere down there. Style, he wrote exactly like uh, Luke tends to write. And uh, what we call the we sections. You're saying, what, Pastor Cliff? The we sections? Yes, the we sections. Several times there's a, a in Acts, the writer, whom I think is Luke, uh, says, uh, you know, Joe, Harry, and Luke were there, and then he says, we. And then the next thing, he says another group of people, and he says, we, and then he says another group of people, and he says, we. And then we call those the we sections because the only name that's consistent in those, in those sections where several people are listed is Luke. So by process of uh, elimination, uh, we, we believe that uh, Luke is the writer of this book. So uh, I hope you agree, most people who study real hard uh, think that Luke is the writer, and nobody who's taken seriously says he's not. Uh, so that's just the business end of what we've got here this morning. Look at verse 3 with me for a second. To these, um, the apostles, he also presented himself after uh, his suffering 
by many convincing proofs. This is a comment about the 10 days, excuse me, the 40 days Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning, and for 40 days he appeared in and out of believers' lives with what Luke says here, convincing uh, proofs over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the uh, kingdom of God. So, uh, and he appeared to more than just the uh, 11 disciples. Remember, Judas had killed himself. He appeared to Mary in the garden. You might remember that. He appeared to uh, the two disciples on their way to Emmaus. He appeared to those, and we talked about this last uh, Sunday morning, uh, that on Sunday night, Thomas wasn't with them, and he appeared to them. He appeared to the group later when Thomas was with them. He appeared to them once they were out fishing. I guess they didn't know what they should do. They were out fishing. And uh, Jesus was there cooking fish on the beach. And uh, when they were coming in, not having had a good fishing time, he said, that, you know, cast your nets one more time, and they caught all those fish. There's another time that he uh, appeared to uh, disciples that I want to draw your attention to. If you can get it up there fast enough, Les. I didn't give you a list this morning, sorry. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6. According to that scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 6, Jesus appeared to a whole bunch of, after that, he, Jesus, appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. That's code talk for they died. Uh, so at one point in Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, there was a whole gang of people. Paul says it was over 500 people strong, and he appeared to them uh, all at once. I need you to remember that verse for later on in today's message, that there was at least one point where Jesus met with a whole bunch of people. This morning, I want to focus our attention on, uh, for the lesson on verses 4 and 5. I'll read them again. Uh, Gathering them, the disciples together, and, and all those that were there, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many uh, days from now. Well, let's look at those verses a little closely. These uh, are among Jesus' final instructions before he's taken. Next week we're going to look at his ascension and, and what went on there. These are among his final words before he was taken up in the clouds. This, these two verses, there's a couple more things he has to say, but these were among, among his, his final instructions. And, and what is the order? Go ahead and tell me. What is the order? He says to do, he gives them, and actually it's in the command form. What's the command? He commanded them to do what? Don't leave Jerusalem. And how about in one word? Wait. He commanded them to wait. Now real quick as an aside, how many get A pluses in terms of wait? Yeah, this is a problem for us. It, waiting is a problem, and we're going to talk a lot about that uh, this morning. What, what were they to wait for? Go ahead, a little feedback here. What, what were they to wait for? Verse, from verse 4, what were they to wait for? The promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. Verse 5 expresses it this way, baptism in the Spirit. And, and, and he gives them a clue as to how long they have to wait. Do you see the clue that he gives them, how long they're going to have to wait? Are they going to have to wait minutes? No. Hours? No. He says you're going to be marking the wait in what? In days. So this is going to be a long wait in terms of how long, like if you were at a red light for minutes, this would be a problem. 
If you were a red light for hours, I dare say there'd be people behind you honking their horns loud, and, and certainly you wouldn't be at a red light for days. We're not accustomed to waiting. Uh, we're going to look at two things today, waiting and, and, and baptism. And I want to look at the baptism first. I want to take baptism first, and I, I want to make a lot of to do about the waiting. First, I want to say, uh, draw attention to, to baptism. Uh, Jesus didn't want the disciples going anywhere. He didn't want them doing anything as they were. Now, how worth it? We saw last week. This is why we're doing it in a series. By the way, I, he's been faithful about recording them, so if you're interested, if you missed a second, one of the messages, I, you know, it may be interesting to fill in the gaps with that, um, the very reason I'm having him uh, less record them. But um, last week, Jesus breathed, into them, breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. We believe that as the disciples were hanging around Jesus at this time, that they were already what we call today born-again people. They were already had put their faith in a, in a resurrected Jesus. The work of the cross had already happened. They're already believers, just like so many people are, are believers today. And Jesus told this group of people who were believers, Wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Don't be about the work of the ministry. Wait until you receive the promise of the Father. Wait until you receive this thing that I'm calling, Jesus speaking, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit before they began the ministry that, that uh, Jesus had commissioned them to do. So he told them to. He commanded them to do what? To wait. Don't go just wait. Chuck Swindoll, uh, many of you have known or heard about Chuck Swindoll, his famous West Coast uh, preacher, uh, he said that in his opinion, the hardest thing that God has asked any Christian to do is wait. He said Christians struggle with this wait business. Uh, wow, wait business, yeah, that too. <laughs> Hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> that too, yeah, but that's not what he was talking about. Christians struggle with this wait, waiting business more than they probably struggle with anything else. It's so hard for a, a, a Christian to, to, to do that, to wait. Most of us don't wait well. Most of us. Now, as I look in the group, I could, I could compliment a couple of you people that I know are good waiters. That you, that you do wait well, you're patient. And I would hasten to say that in our culture here in Northwest Florida, and in this sort of agricultural, see where you've got agriculture, you've got people that are good at waiting. Where you've got urbanization, you've got people stinky at waiting. It is, a, it is, a, it, it is uh, you know what the most common noise in New York City, if you've ever been in New York City, or even in Boston or one of those, it is a, horns don't stop beeping. You don't hear a moment where there's not, within earshot, somebody beeping their horn. Everybody's, you know, oh yeah, you, you know, when you, next time you watch a movie, if the movie's true to form, it will have incessant, constant beeping. Sometimes right here, sometimes right there, sometimes two blocks away, but you're always hearing people on the horn. People that live in urban areas are way worse at waiting than people in rural areas. You think about it, it makes sense. People in rural areas, they put their seed in. And then what? They wait, and maybe they go out, and I'm not real good at this. You notice there's not a garden in my backyard. Well, there is, but it's full of things we don't speak of. Uh, they might get out there and tent, do whatever you do to make it, uh, you know, maybe occasionally weed it or fertilize it or, you know, whatever. But they're good at waiting. My father-in-law, uh, Franklin, 
I don't know where he gets his patience, but he's just a patient man. Just patient. I don't want to start naming names in here, but I can think of at least one or two that are just patient. I'm not, I'm not one of them. I, and by the way, there's some people that aren't patient in these parts too. Just because we live in this part of Florida doesn't mean everybody's patient. And I hope you don't think less of me when I tell you what I do, but you know I've got to drive to Pensacola every day. Well, you know, uh, it, it's been since December that I worked with Addison to uh, you know, bring a paycheck into the house. I don't want any sympathy. I'm just telling you how it is. And so when I drive myself to Pensacola in that little vibe, thank goodness I've got a vibe and not some big van or something, uh, I, can, I can squeak 36 miles to the gallon out of that thing. You know how? Driving 55. Now ask me how the people on I-10 like to be coming up on a guy going 55. I get the horn or something else all the time. Uh, and of course I'd rather drive 70 or 75. Of course I would, you know. But for me, you know, we just need to eke everything we can eke. And I get to see every day the people that don't appreciate my eke in 36 instead of 31. Out of, and it makes that big of a difference. If we're driving 70, 75, we're getting about 31 something. And if we're driving 55, I've got a thing on my GPS. Don't want to spend too much time here, but thing on my GPS, it gives me grade points on how I'm doing. If I keep it 55, it gives me 99. That's the highest you can get. So I try to keep that little thing going uh, right the highest we can get. And it, and it does pay off when we're at the gas pump. So we're, we're thankful of that. And uh, you don't want one of those. See, most people don't want one of those things because uh, most of us don't wait well. When I'm, in a, when I'm in the grocery line, I use, if, just to make small talk, I'll tell the person behind me that comes in behind me, I'll say, you don't want to get behind me because invariably I get, though, something bad's going to happen. Once I get in line here, something bad's going to happen. We're going to have to wait. Someone's going to need a check approved or something, or I'm going to need something. Uh, but invariably, it seems like, and does this happen to you too? You get in line, you're maybe third in the queue, and all of a sudden, you see where you would have been if you went in that line, and where you, am I the only one that does this, or where you would have been if you were in that line? And all of a sudden, they're moving forward, and, 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 you're, and your light's blinking up there because someone needs help. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I'm trying hard to be, and I, I'm better. In 2012, I'm better than I've ever been about that. Uh, something's got my attention, and I'm a better waiter than I've ever been, uh, but I still don't like to wait. Or, or if you're at a red light, you know, and the light turns green. How long does it take if that front guy doesn't get off his brakes in 0.05 seconds? How long does it take before the guy behind him or the guy behind that is uh, hot to remind him of, uh, uh, you know, to get going? Or if you're cut off in traffic, someone, those merge points, you know, you get over where it says merge half mile ahead, and you, you get over there and, and uh, you're doing your right thing by going in the slower lane, and all of a sudden you see in that side view mirror, what do you see? This cowboy, he's coming up. On, he believes he's better than everybody. Okay, now I'm going to ask you the truth. Now he comes up in a way, i got flies here paying attention this morning. He, he, he comes up in a way where it's your turn to let him in after he's flown by about 40 cars. How are you at giving him space to just slide in right there in front of you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're coming close to home there. We think that, you know, your space really was about 40 cars back, so... We're going to make it at least 39 that you cut off and not 40. You see, we've got this thing about wanting justice, and that's how we justify it. You know, I'm really, it's not that I'm impatient, or it's not that I'm mean, I'm wanting justice. So that's the way I usually justify my ill behavior, is I just say I'm meeting out some justice. And it's all because I don't like to wait. Waiting 
and patience are integral parts of Christian character, though. I want to repeat that. We've been joking around a little bit about areas where it comes home to roost, the grocery line and in traffic and stuff, but seriously, in our Christian being men and women of God, if we're serious about our Christian walk, we should be doing better about waiting than people who don't have the Lord living in their lives. We really should. Um, I preached a sermon years ago, not too many years ago, about five years ago to church south of here. And uh, I, the, the, the message of the sermon was this. I, I, I suggested to the people, in fact, I gave everybody, you might remember this, last if you were there, I don't remember if you were, I gave everybody, I made these wooden blocks and I painted them brick red so they looked like a brick. And on the front of it had a piece of uh, masking tape covering up a, mas- a message. And the message was three words. I'll tell you what the three words in a second are. I told everybody to leave it alone. Um, don't take off their tape yet. And... Uh, the theme of the message that morning was, there is one of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, uh, long-suffering. There is one of those things that the devil can do better than 95% of Christians. The devil is better exercised in one of those fruit of the Spirit than most Christians. It's patience. The devil is very patient. The devil is perfectly willing to set a small little trap for you or to, get to put one little element of wrong in your life and then just wait for it to blossom and wait for it to come about. When they took off the thing, it said, Satan is patient. And I want you to remember that Satan is patient and Satan is probably more patient than us. Now, that's just an aside. It's an interesting thing to think about. And it's an aside. But I want you to remember that God expects you to learn how to wait and to wait well. Jesus told these disciples, you are to wait. Do not leave. You are to wait here uh, until uh, this, this uh, thing that the Father promised, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's coming not many days from now, but you are to do one thing. You are to wait. They did well to be patiently waiting in prayer. You remember they were giving themselves daily to prayer in that upper room. So Jesus appeared to 500 people. My question is, uh, why 10 days later were only 120 people in that upper room? Why 10 days later were only 120 present? 10 days, that's why. Have you ever been, how would you feel about saying, yeah, I'll be there, if I said, we're going to have a four-hour prayer meeting tonight? It's time to just be on. You don't have to answer, okay? But you'd be like, Jeepers, Cliff, four hours? Won't we be able to pray in like 45 minutes? What was, what's the other three and a quarter hours about? I'm being honest. I'm stealing your answer for you, and I'm telling you that in most people's minds, four hours. Well, how about if I said, you know, uh, Friday, uh, next Saturday, we're going to meet at 10, and we're going to have a 10-hour prayer meeting. Oh, have you, anybody ever been to a 10-hour prayer meeting? To a 10-hour prayer meeting. Well, basically, basically, these people were being invited to a 10-day, and they didn't even know what the end was. They didn't know that it was only be... Maybe if they knew that it was going to be on the 10th day, there would have been a target goal that they would say, well, we only got four more days, we only got three more days, we only got two more days. The fact is, they didn't know. So out of those uh, uh, people that didn't make it the whole 10 hours... It's because, I mean, 10 days, it's because 10 days is a long time. Why did they leave? 
visit this for a second. Why would you leave a tent? Why would you leave an, uh, a prayer meeting after day five? Some probably left on day five. They got impatient. They, they probably figured, what are we even waiting for? They, had no, they didn't have a sense of what they were waiting for. Maybe it's already come and we didn't even know it. Maybe it was subtle. Maybe, or, 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 or maybe nothing's going to happen. I'm done. And they folded up their little thing that they've been kneeling on, their prayer cloth or whatever, and, and they kindly excused themselves from the group. And they left. They didn't uh, continue to wait. They, they didn't think anything was going to happen. Or, or, or whatever they imagined was going to happen, they concluded that it wouldn't be worth it to continue to wait. Just I want to interject here for a second. Rich things of God are sometimes yet today, and we're not used to this, require us to wait. Rich things of God require us to wait. And if we're impatient with God, and, and we put on this, and I'm not even putting it on, and we, we live out this attitude, this microwave attitude, this drive through window attitude, I'm just going to tell you, this is the whole of the sermon today, in, in like two sentences. You put on this, you live your, your spiritual life in this microwave drive-through window attitude, you're probably going to live in the shallow end of the spiritual pool. The rich things of God are going to require of us that we wait for them. All kinds of things. Answers to prayers. Uh, growth in our spiritual life. Growth in our church. Gro growth in a number of ways. There's a, there's a waiting time. Listen, when we believe in the, in the core of our being that we shouldn't have to wait, things shrivel up. We complain. We get ugly. And I believe God, you know, just sort of His hand comes off of whatever it is that He might have uh, been doing. Israel, let me just give a quick example from Israel in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 40. You might want to flip Isaiah chapter 40. I'm probably going to go to like verse 27, I think. Israel had gotten to the point, let me see if I recognize it. Okay, let me know when it's there. Uh, it, Israel, it is verse 27. Israel had gotten to the point where they thought God wasn't listening to them anymore. Well, let me just read it. Yeah, okay. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel? This is Isaiah talking to, to uh, God's people. My way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice do me escapes from notice of my God. Why do you say, people of God, that you don't hear us anymore? The people of Israel, the people of Jacob, have said, had, had, um, the, they had said to themselves, you know, why are we even praying anymore? God doesn't hear our prayers anymore. He's not, and if you read the context there, you'll see, you'll see it's exactly what's going on. The people are, are like, we're praying and nothing's happening, so why bother? The question, underlying question is, why bother? Why bother waiting? If we have to wait this long, why, why are we fooling with it? Um, he, he's not hearing us, and so they began to complain. When you get impatient and you have to wait, you begin to complain. The translation for a horn honk is a complaint, is it not? What are you doing? You're complaining. It's green. Didn't you see it turn green a tenth of a second ago? You're complaining. Israel had gotten to the point where it was, she was complaining because, and getting ugly because uh, they were praying and, and God wasn't moving like they thought he should be. But Isaiah explained, go four verses later to verse 31, very popular uh, portion of Scripture, 40, 31. Isaiah's response to them was, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run 
and not get tired. They'll walk and not become uh, weary. There's waiting involved with serving God. Weakness will come if you think it's a short-term, short-wait kind of thing. You're going to get exhausted in your service if you believe that you just put in your 10 minutes of prayer, you put in your 5 minutes of prayer, or 5 minutes of service, and, and God should be responding right away. That's going to be the shallow end of the pool for you. Uh, I, I believe in the, that, that, that believing in the core of your spirit that you shouldn't have to wait if you believe in the core of your spirit that you shouldn't have to wait, you're, you're betraying a, 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 your confidence that it's in your will and your ways. If you don't have to wait, you basically, track me on this, if you believe in the core of your spirit that you shouldn't have to wait, that betrays the idea that you already have it figured out the way things should be. And if God would just give you the way things that you figured out the way it should be, everything would be fine. So you're really showing your colors. You're saying, I'm upset that God's not given me what I know to be best for me. I'm upset that God's not given me uh, what would be best for us. And I wish he'd hurry up because clearly I know what's best and clearly he's not given it yet. And, and this is upsetting to me. If, if, he were, if, if he were hearing me, he'd give this to me. But the one who waits, mm, listen, the one who waits is the one that I can see is betraying this kind of spirit. The one who waits patiently is saying, uh, you know, this thing's not going as fast as I think it should go. This thing's not coming at the speed I thought it should have come. Nevertheless, I'm going to continue to trust the Lord here. I've got two options. I can get impatient because things aren't going my way real fast right now. Or I can say, you know what? Of course the Lord heard my prayer. Of course he expects me to keep praying this away. But I'm going to just keep holding on, and I'm not going to get upset that he hasn't come quite yet. And I don't know why, but it reminds me a little bit of the prayer of the, uh, I love the three Hebrew young men that were going to be thrown in the furnace. And they said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, we're not going to bow down. Get this through your skull. We're not going to bow down. For our God is able to deliver us from your hands. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. You see, that's the spirit that we need to have. And when, when we pray or, or we're, we have this expectancy, it's not always in prayer, sometimes just a spiritual expectancy. When we pray or we're, we're, we're in this mood of, mode of uh, spiritual expectancy and things aren't coming fast like we'd like them to come, and we, and we get restless about it, it's betraying the fact that we think God should move faster about what our will is and not faster about what his might, will might be. Listen, and I don't want to preach through this, other, this next topic because it's pretty big, but I just want to give you the highlights of it real quick. When God says wait, there's probably three things that, that are needing to happen. Either he's preparing you, he's doing a work in you by having you wait. You're going to be a different person when this thing finally comes. Or he may be having you wait until... Other people could be blessed in a certain way. Or he may be having a way because a situation needs to be a certain way. You can't see around corners like God can see around corners. God sees around these corners. He knows the future. This just in. You don't. And so it's a terribly selfish and a ch terribly childish thing to pray, Lord, you know, we've been praying this thing for 20 minutes now or for two days now or three weeks now, and we really need to see you show up. You just be still and know that he is God. 
You be still and know that your prayers are heard and know that he is going to come around the corner. I think about, uh, by way of example, you know, these people praying for 10 days. I just said, patiently waiting is maybe because he needs to change you or he needs to change others or he needs to change the circumstance. If God had filled them with the Holy Spirit before the day that he did, they didn't know that on the day of Pentecost, they weren't thinking ahead that on the day of Pentecost, all those people from all those other lands were going to be there. But they were. God knew that. So he took up Jesus on day 40, and on day 50, all these other people were there. And finally God said, now, here's the, here's the promise of the Father, right now, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak out that day in languages that they've never learned, but known languages of, of, of all the other people that were visiting town. You see, two days ahead of time, which they didn't have a clue what was going to happen or how it was going to happen, although I'm sure they were getting a little bit impatient, 380 of them at least, had grown most impatient. You see, the situation wasn't prepared yet for uh, the, um, the promise of the Father to come. So they just needed to be patient. When we are sure in the core of our being, when we are sure that His ways are best and His plan is best, when you're sure that His plan is best, it's way better than yours, then you become willing to wait. I hate to keep drawing personal uh, things on me and some of the stuff I'm going through. But uh, I, I mentioned already that I'm, I'm more patient now than I have ever been before. Um, and, and usually, I didn't even care if I was in the doctor's office. I was particularly impatient in the doctor's office. It bugs me that you have to wait for the doctor. I kind of, I don't know if I should tell you this, because you're really going to think less of me if I tell you the, the whole truth. Once in a while, we work for doctors in their home. Sometimes they have to wait. And uh, I don't mind making them wait. Welcome to the real world, buddy. Yeah, we wait, you know, and you got no choice, just like I got no choice. But I'm telling you, I have learned that uh, while I depend 100% on the Lord to intervene on my behalf with my help, I absolutely do. And you're only hearing those words. You can't see through my skin to my heart to know just how really I'm truly I'm saying that. But yet you also know because I've told you that I'm all about if men have made certain discoveries, let it rip. Okay, so I'm going to do every, allow men to do what they can do, and I'm going to trust God at the end of the day to do everything that's impossible. Uh, but I've become patient. You know why? Because they're smart, and uh, I, I just have to wait. I have to wait, and and I'm going to. Let them do what they're going to do. And if a procedure, if I have to wait 45 minutes, I wait 45 minutes. No, we're nearly as frustrated as I used to be. I brought that up for a reason. It's because I've learned that their expertise and their procedures, or whatever you want to call it, their attention is worth waiting for. I now appreciate it in a way I've never appreciated it before. Their services, their attention to my need. If we can get that same mindset about the things of God and appreciate how he has our best interest in mind, how he has our, the total picture of our life in mind, we wouldn't get as impatient with him. It is because we think we've got all the answers that we're tapping our fingers and, and, and we're just getting willing to, to leave the reservation uh, because it's not happening fast enough. No, we need to come to the understanding that, you know what? In this matter that I'm growing impatient about, 
I truly understand that God knows best. And I've got two options then. I can either leave the ranch or I can stay here and say, your kind attention to my needs is worth waiting for. And I can continue to wait on the Lord. At the end of the day, those are your only two options. Either you're going to hit the eject button and you're going to bail out, or you're going to be resolved in your heart and say, you know what? I'm just going to wait. You don't have a third option. You either bail or you wait. And my encouragement uh, to us this morning is to wait. We don't abandon hope. Uh, We don't leave that upper room. We hope. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm fixing to close my Bible. Probably a good sign for you. But I want to close with a thought. I believe in a room this size with a dozen or 20 people, whatever's here. But there's people that are waiting for some things. Some, you know, for a breakthrough, for some kind of something. Sometimes relationships. And maybe it's not a relationship that you're in. Maybe it's a relationship that you're close to when you see between two people. Relationships are tough. Relationships are tough to wait through. I don't want to go into any, any details to tip my hand, but you know, right now, uh, Juan and I are really friendly with a, a young couple that really struggling in the, in the relationship division. Just burning bridges and, and, and doing... And you know, because we're a little older, we can see. When you're younger, I don't know if you're just blind or what. I don't know how you get smarter when you get older, but we can just see it. And it's frustrating for us because you want to just take someone and slap them in the head. But that really wouldn't help at all. So you wait. Relationship things are really tough. Health things can be really tough. You know, kids or loved ones outside of uh, outside the faith are tough to wait on. But let me tell you something. God needs men and women of faith that are willing to abandon their own brothers, abandon their own what makes best sense to them, abandon this need to be impatient with God. And God needs men and women of faith to say, you know what? I'm clinging to you, Lord. I'm clinging to what you say. I'm clinging to what your word teaches. Uh, Yeah, I'm getting impatient. The Lord doesn't mind honesty. But you don't just get to dump on the Lord with honesty, yeah, I'm getting impatient, and then waller in your impatience. This is how it goes. Yeah, Lord, I'm getting impatient. Can you help me with that? I don't want to be impatient. It's like the guy who came to the Lord, and, 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 Jesus, and Jesus said, if, if I can, of course I can. If you believe, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Amen. You see. You know, yes, Lord, I believe you can. Yes, I'm being impatient. Help thou my impatience. You know, it's the same kind of prayer. I don't, he doesn't mind dumping and, and brutal honesty with him. He can take it. The Lord's got broad shoulders. But that's not an excuse to waller and live in your impatience and to brood in it. You need to put that under the cross and put it under the blood and ask the Lord to change you in that matter so that you don't live in that impatience. You can live free from it. And, and there's something very liberating from being relieved from the pressures of impatience. Impatience doesn't help anything. That, I guess the horn does help if the guy's sitting there with a green light. But you know, your impatience really doesn't help a thing. Wait on the Lord. Jesus said, this is the, and he commanded them. I didn't make a big emphasis on that. This was not just a mention. It was a command. 
both it says I command you and, and the, the, you know, uh, what do you call it? When you break down a word and see whether, whether it's in the questioning or command or whatever, it's the command form of that verb. You are to wait. I order you. I give you this order to wait until the promise comes. 120 did. Most people didn't. And I would challenge us today to be waiters, to be willing to wait. Because the Lord doesn't always do things exactly when we think he should, but we can wait. Let's pray. Father God, uh, throughout my adult life, I've been a pitiful waiter, and, uh, for which I'm, over which I'm sorry. And I'm just not wired to wait real good. I pray, Lord, that to those of us that struggle with this human tendency of impatience, I pray that we would not let that affect and infect our spiritual walk, but it tends to. Therefore, I pray that we would take control of that thing and sacrifice it and not be impatient, not only with others, but that's a model. When we're impatient with others, that's a model or an example of the truth of our heart, and probably that same example is true with our sense towards you. So I pray, God, that we would slay both impatience with others, and I pray that we would not be impatient with you. There's so many things that we've entrusted to your care, and yet we still worry about and, and be impatient about. Help us, Lord, to not do that anymore. Help us to just rest in the solemn appreciation that you've got a handle on it and that you are working it out. I pray for each person here, from the youngest to the oldest, in Jesus' name, that you would teach us and instill in us to wait. To wait for you, not get ahead of you, not get frustrated and abandon you, just to wait. We thank you for it, give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Go in peace.